I don't know why that's so soothing, but it is. Sometimes we just need somebody to say, everything's going to be okay. Even if it's not, I like hearing that. (laughs) Welcome to Book Therapy. I'm your host, Kim Patton. There's no way to count how many books are floating around in this world. Some are decent, some are truly terrible, and some are great. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into one great book. Together, we will discover gems of truth and encouragement to help you face your current season of life. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's get this party started. Hello, hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I wanted to give you a heads up that this is a bit of a heavier episode. We are going to be talking about trauma. And the disclaimer is that I am not an expert, I am not a therapist, and I have not suffered from deep trauma that causes PTSD. I know many people have. As we walk through this book together, I hope that I can bring a lighter tone to the heaviness of the topic. And I also pray that if you have suffered through deep trauma, you have trusted people in your life that can hold your hand and walk you through this hard journey. Let's dive into the book. Today's book is The Lord is My Courage by K.J. Ramsey. Her first book is called This Too Shall Last, and it is an excellent resource for those suffering with chronic illness and how that affects the church. K.J. Ramsey is a trauma-informed licensed professional counselor and writer whose work offers space to see every part of our souls and stories as sacred. I found her online and read her first book and was just blown away at the intensity of her words and also the deep truth behind everything that she says. Not only is she telling her personal story, but she's really bringing out rich theology that we all need to know. I I see both of these books as sort of textbooks or reference books in some ways. Probably an easier to read textbook than others, to be honest. You know she's done her research. You know that she has proof behind what she's saying. And honestly, her words can change churches for the better. I truly believe that she is charting a new path and people will do well to follow. I see her work especially used maybe in Christian psychology or theology, as well as a resource for pastors as they learn how to shepherd their people. She has an especially keen sense on how the body of Christ should operate in that she's full of deep compassion, not only for herself, and she encourages others to cling to the compassion of Christ, but also the way she encourages pastors to be trauma-informed is very helpful. In this day and age, everybody has gone through something, and some people have gone through the most horrific things, and the church can do a little bit better handling those delicate topics without causing more pain. I was first introduced to this um, category, I guess, of trauma-informed And please excuse me if I say things that are wrong because I'm new to this territory. The only thing I can compare it to is cognitive behavior therapy, but that's also something I'm learning about. So I am by no means an expert, but I would like to learn more about the field of counseling and therapy and how we react to negative events in our lives. KJ Ramsey comes at it in a very physical way. She pays attention to our bodies, what our bodies are trying to tell us. And someone very close to me in my life also operates that way. This person has given me so much advice and so much wisdom 
to help me understand how trauma affects the body. One of the books that has been on my radar these past few years is The Body Keeps the Score. It is used widely in teaching, obviously, but also among Christian circles right now that are really paying attention to what trauma does to our bodies. So I recommend that book. I I admit that I haven't gotten through it. I've tried. (laughs) It's just so big and dense and it's just kind of hard for me to tackle right now. But KJ's book is a beautiful way for me to dive into this idea of trauma-informed living. In her book, she walks through Psalm 23. We are going to dive right in with part one, The Lord is My Shepherd. She says on page 17, one of the most painful and important realities to grasp about the Christian life is that our belovedness does not guarantee our ease. The brutality and barriers in life do not cancel out the truth that we are beloved. This sort of paraphrases what she's going after in this book. The brutality of life, the obvious struggles that we have, and the underlying truth that we are beloved. We are deserving of love and compassion and grace. And that's what God offers to us. However, we do go through some monster trials. And she, in this book, lays out some of the most difficult things that she's ever walked through. We read throughout the book about her and her husband's journey as victims of spiritual abuse. Her and her husband worked closely with a church that didn't have a healthy pastor. And in his spiritual abuse, they suffered greatly. And then they ended up leaving but they didn't even leave with an appropriate send-off. They kind of had to sneak out the back door because the pastor was not responding to all of the feedback that the staff was giving about how his tactics were damaging not only the work environment, but their personal lives. So KJ dives into some heavy teaching uh, from pages 71 to 75. And the first time I read this, it... it <laughs> It blew my mind. I took pictures of these pages and sent them to someone who helped me walk through what it meant. And bear with me as I try to explain exactly what she's getting across because it really has changed the way I view myself and the way I view my body and the trials that I go through. So starting on page 71, she says, learning about your stress states can help you see where the shepherd wants to meet you. Deb Dana describes the autonomic nervous system as a ladder. She says, I love the ladder metaphor because it gives us a practical picture of what climbing in courage with Christ can look like. She talks about the top of the ladder as a nervous system state called the ventral vagal state. KJ says she likes to call this place home. This is the place where you feel most like yourself. You feel loved, seen, and satisfied. Your ventral vagal state is the place you are made to return to at the end of each day, complete with a table for your soul, where each part of you has a place to eat, laugh, and be filled along with Christ. I love that KJ doesn't just say, this is where you're happy, or this is where your soul is at rest. She's very specific. This is where your soul is most at home, and this is where you are most comfortable, where you are most relaxed, where you are laughing and interacting with life the way it was meant to be. Next on the ladder, we have when cues of danger hit, the vagal break is released and you sink from the top of the ladder down a couple of rungs into a sympathetic nervous system state. He talks about when you feel afraid or unsafe or overwhelmed. These are these traumas that we go through, whether they be small or or big. You feel anxiety or anger and you feel the 
sense that you need to protect yourself. She says, even as you're reading this page, you may actually start to feel the sensations in your body of when you are most afraid or when, when you relive these painful parts of your life or your story, your body tells you. It's very obvious. Sinking down the ladder, we go to the dorsal vagal state. And this is when you're completely trapped. All you can do is survive. You don't think about anything else. You feel totally unseen, unloved, and cut off from everything that's going to give you life. I appreciate her giving me this visual because we all know what it feels like to be afraid, to be lonely, to be wanting to shut down and not interact with anybody and kind of just quit life, to be honest. So how does this interact with our faith? She encourages us to lean into the people who know us the best and who love us well. For her, it was her husband. She has beautiful pictures throughout the book of how her husband kindly and compassionately sat with her through her most difficult times and allowed her body to release. He was there for her in her most traumatic physical moments so that she could feel safe. And then she says, we rise rung by rung. I think the church is learning that we don't have to skip over our feelings. We don't have to skip over what we're going through. It's important for us to pay attention to what our body is telling us. And if you've experienced a traumatic event or if you have experienced deep hurt and deep pain, you know that you can, you're not going to just forget about that. As the body keeps the score says, it's stored in your body. So one way or another, we have to interact with the difficult emotions that we're feeling and the extremely difficult circumstances that we face. Secondly, we have, even though I walk through the valley, as I said throughout the book, KJ is telling us her story. I really can't get into all of it because there's just so much here. She does an amazing job walking through the difficult parts of her story with such delicacy and kindness to all that's involved, but brutal honesty as well. At the same time that she was dealing with the spiritual abuse, she was suffering from a chronic illness that left her incapacitated at times. And she goes on to say towards the end of the book, when she was working on this manuscript, she was suffering with COVID. And because of her chronic illness, she has an immune disease. She developed more immune diseases as a result of COVID. Throughout the COVID pandemic, we heard of those who suffered from immune diseases as being particularly susceptible to she was one of those people. She talks on page 124 about how our bodies can help us through stress and shutdown. She basically says to take a walk. As we walk or run, circuits in our brains and bodies cancel out the speeds at which we are seeing objects go by so that we sense we are moving past them. Walking and running tell our bodies a truth beyond stress and shutdown. The sensation of self-generated optic flow sends signals throughout our bodies to simultaneously feel rewarded and relaxed. This is so true because stress makes us feel stuck. And how many of us would just say, oh, I, I got to go for a walk. I got to get outside. I got to go for a run. I need to shake this off. And what she is saying is that there's beauty in that. The Lord has provided a way for our bodies to walk through stress. And I say walk through 
because she's not diminishing what we're going through. She's encouraging us to feel it as it's coming and move forward. One thing that really stuck with me was on page 147 when she talked about Jesus dealing with severe anxiety. I'm going to read this whole paragraph because it is possibly one of the most beautiful pictures of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. She says, Jesus kneeled on the ground of that garden, allowing himself to feel the utter depths of fear itself. Anxiety so severe it made his sweat ducts bleed, so that there can be no depth of darkness we experience that is outside the reach of his empathy. Can you stomach a savior who felt fear and stress so intensely he sweat drops of blood? Do your theology and anthropology include an incarnate God who felt anxiety so intense it ruptured his blood vessels? If we cannot see Christ as fully human, we will not experience him as Lord. And if we cannot accept our own full humanity, we will not feel the full friendship of our suffering Lord. A Jesus who felt such fear is a Jesus who is able to meet me in mine. This is so incredible, and it ties into what she talks about a few pages later about affirming the flesh as good. If you listen to my episode with Kevin about the book by N.T. Wright, Surprised by Hope, we talk about humanity and redeeming the view of the flesh as good. I see this a lot in purity culture as we talk about our bodies and the holiness of our sexuality. Our bodies were created by God on purpose. They are good, beautiful bodies. I don't like it when people demonize what God has given us. Yes, we live in a fallen world, but our flesh is the same flesh that Jesus wore. So let's not forget that. And lastly, we see goodness and love will follow me. KJ is not wrapping this book up in a nice little bow. I mean, when you're reading this book, you know that this is her real life. This is not just a story that you can tell once and and end and move on. This is a state of being. She has a chronic illness, so she will suffer for the rest of her life. We do get to see her transform in very specific ways, though, throughout the book, and that is beautiful. One thing she talks about is her friend Mish on page 210. It says, Mish dreamed up a ritual to grieve the death of her marriage and asked a few of us women who are closest to her to plan a marriage funeral. She was asking us to be her witnesses to mourn and give dignity to what had died. I remember seeing pictures of this online when it happened, and I thought, Wow, how special to gather and remember what is lost. I know it's not normal to have a funeral for divorce, but honestly, you can take this as far as you want. For those who have suffered miscarriages, there's not usually a funeral for a miscarriage, yet there has been a death. What if you needed a funeral to grieve the death of something? Mish did, and so she asked her friends to help her grieve something that was taken away from her so that she could be surrounded in her grief. That to me is a beautiful example of what the church can really be for each other. I've texted people on my worst days. I've had Marco Polo calls with people where I show them my face and I say, this is my sad face. I'm really struggling. I'm having a hard, hard time today. And no, I'm not wearing makeup. And yes, I've been crying, but this is me and this is my reality. And I'm inviting you into this because I don't want to be alone. We can be brave and we can step out in courage and walk through our grief and our sadness and our hard days with one another. Near the end of the book, she talks about how her and her husband share their painful story of leaving an abusive church with people, but not everybody reacts the same way. She says, 
We had become familiar with having our pain interrogated by most pastors and leaders we encountered. Many only partly heard our pain before quickly asking us to prove its validity. The sharing of a painful story should always be a moment to suture and soothe rather than to size up or sermonize. This is incredibly practical. When someone is sharing a painful story, we can show up, we can listen, we can look them in the eyes, offer compassion, and be a soothing presence. So we talked about the Lord is my shepherd, even though I walk through the valley, and goodness and love will follow me. I hate leaving this book after just these three points because there's so much more. I highlighted and underlined so many things in this book. I will use it forever as a reference. I will end with this, and this reminds me of my writing mentor, Karen Stiller, who brought this quote to my attention um, a year or two ago. It says, Julian of Norwich said, Jesus gave me all that I needed. Sin is inevitable, yet all will be well, and all will be well, and every kind of thing shall be well. I don't know why that's so soothing, but it is. Sometimes we just need somebody to say, everything's going to be okay. Even if it's not, I like hearing that. (laughs) I think Kevin has resisted saying that to me because, you know, he doesn't know if everything's going to be okay. And sometimes the crappiest days are still ahead of us. But we do just want that assurance of everything's going to be okay. The point is, Jesus is with us in our pain. As we heard earlier, he suffered immense pain. So not only is he with us now, but he understands he's been there. Thank you for listening to another episode of Book Therapy. The book we talked about today was The Lord is My Courage by K.J. Ramsey. I would highly recommend her first book, This Too Shall Last, although I did like this one better. That first book is also very good. She is active on social media. She has beautiful quotes. Um, She also has a book of prayers and poems. If you want to learn more about trauma-informed therapy and counseling, I would definitely recommend anything by KJ Ramsey or anybody that she recommends. Her books are filled with footnotes, so she is constantly referencing other books, other speakers, other content that will help you as you go down that journey. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. She says that St. Augustine put it this way, Solviter Ambulando. Oh my goodness, I can't do that. Her books have bibliography in the back that talk about all of the, um, no, that's not even true.